Do you need deal flow? Are you looking for ways to expand or even start your real estate portfolio and get in front of more distressed property owners? Have you tried free or paid methods of generating leads like driving for dollars, networking with divorce attorneys, or spending hours on the computer looking through public records? In this episode, we're sitting down with Brian Driscoll. You'll hear more about him when I introduce him, but Brian is an expert in SEO and digital marketing, a background that we share. Brian is going to teach us how him and his team consistently generate motivated seller leads and how he does it for other investors as well. But first, our intro. This is Building Passive Income and Wealth Through Real Estate, where we guide you through the relentless pursuit of financial independence. I'm your host, Justin Moy, managing partner at Perpetual Wealth Capital, a multifamily real estate investing firm that lets everyday people invest passively in income-producing apartment buildings. Hey, investors, welcome back to another episode of Building Passive Income and Wealth Through Real Estate. Today, I'm sitting down with Brian Driscoll of Motivated Leads. Now, Brian is a real estate investor, digital marketing and SEO expert, and founder of Motivated Leads. That's motivated-leads.com, a digital marketing agency that helps investors expand their portfolios quickly by generating quality seller leads. Brian, we're excited to have you here, and thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks, man. Glad to be here. Uh, so tell us a little bit about you. You know, What's your background in investing history? Yeah, sure. So my background's uh, digital marketing. I've been in digital marketing for like 20 years. I got involved in SEO and then gradually got into the paid space also. And then on the investing side, I do a lot of buy and hold. So I buy places, fix them up, pull my cash back out and rent them out. So I just keep them. I got involved with the real estate side probably about seven, eight years ago. Awesome. It seems like a lot of people, because I have that digital marketing experience as well in terms of the paid traffic. And it sounds like most of us got started in SEO, right? Anybody who knows anything about kind of how the digital space has evolved, uh, it's kind of the natural orientation. It was SEO. It was really easy. Everybody was doing it. And then as it got harder and harder and the goalposts kept changing, then it went to paid media, right? Then Google was really big. And then people moving to Facebook. And then Facebook this year had some updates that made it really hard. So that's awesome that we have that similar background. So tell us about lead generation and how investors benefit from it. Because everybody always knows that they have to market, but a lot of people do, you know, what should I do? Direct mail? Should I do Facebook ads? Do I make a Google page? So what have you seen as those methods to generate quality leads? Yeah, sure. So there's multiple different ways and pretty much most of them will work if you do them consistently. And it just depends on how much the lead's going to cost you. But if we wanted to talk about Facebook, Google, and SEO, Facebook and Google pay-per-click will get you quick results. You build campaigns, you're getting results in two weeks, something like that, because you're paying to be there. SEO, you're getting results in about six months. But there's a high return on investment on SEO just because you're not paying to be there once you get there, but it's a lot of sweat. So most investors will start on the paid side just because people don't want to wait six months to build that up. We can do SEO at the same time, but not usually on its own. So then you have Facebook and you have pay-per-click. Facebook in this space is, uh, let me take a step back. In this space, we're dealing with investors, which are aggressive people, right? We like to compete. By nature. <laughs> so you figure on Google pay-per-click, we're bidding on keywords, like sell your house fast, sell your house for cash, things like that. So you could be paying between 20 to $50 per click just for one person to come to your website versus on Facebook, we're paying per impression. So we might pay 20 bucks per thousand people to see our ad. So Facebook, we're not in direct competition with investors. We're competing with a bakery and shoe store down the street versus Google pay-per-click, you're in direct competition and you outrank someone and they up their bid and it gets super expensive. Yeah. 
it's the difference between strategies, right? Where Facebook by its pricing model per impression is a volume. Hey, 20 bucks for a thousand impressions. And, you know, Facebook knows, and also the marketers know, okay, you know, we're going to have maybe only a 1% click-through rate or half a percent or whatever the case may be. So it's more of that volume strategy and Google, it sounds like is more of that intent. So somebody's going and Googling sell my home quickly in, you know, near me or something like that. And you're getting that bid. Have you seen once somebody opts in or actually let's take a step back, which one typically in your opinion works the best, if there's any answer for that? Yeah. So that's a good question. So Facebook works well on its own. Pay-per-click is really expensive to work on its own because Facebook and pay-per-click work well together because of the retargeting. So say on Google, you're paying 30 bucks or 50, whatever it is to get someone to come to your website. Like people are just searching like, Hey, I might need to sell my house. They come to your website. They're not ready to commit to an appointment yet. If you retarget them on Facebook, it's great because you're staying in front of them and you can retarget them with videos of you talking at that point, building that trust and showing you're a real person Yeah. versus Facebook. You can do cold traffic and retargeting versus Google. It's a little bit different. So I usually start with Facebook or both. Got it. Facebook or both. And so how do you retarget? So somebody let's say does click on Google. They say, Hey, how do I sell my home? I live here in Scottsdale. So sell my Scottsdale home quickly. And I click on a couple of pages. I look around and then as life happens, I just kind of leave my computer and I don't come back for a couple of weeks or a couple months. And now I'm starting to see things on Facebook, I guess. Is that right? Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. Um, so how do you, I guess, balance the two? I mean, do people do the same amount of budget on each or is the Facebook budget going to be a lot smaller because it sounds like it's paper impression? What should people kind of have in their mind as the strategy of balancing the two platforms? That's a good question. So it's going to come down to market. So say in Pittsburgh, we can generate a lead between like 75 and $125. Mm-hmm. In San Diego, it's like 350 to 400 bucks. Yeah. So you want to keep that in mind with a competition. Normally what I'll do, just because we're testing a lot of different ads, I'll usually start a Facebook campaign at 50 bucks per day. So wow. we usually do like $45 cold, five bucks retargeting. And then what's happening is you need to make sure you have the pixels on the website. You want to make sure you have an event pixel so you can tell Facebook, hey, this person now, they filled out a form. And Mm -hmm. Facebook's algorithm can kind of like find more people that are similar to that based on their algorithm. So I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, absolutely. And being flexible, right? So if we're getting better results one way or the other, switch where the budgets are spent, but having that healthy budget, I think is really, really important. A lot of people, because we're in the digital marketing space as well, when they put a campaign up, they might boost a post for 10 bucks and then we'll say, oh, I didn't get anything. Yeah. (laughs) This Facebook thing doesn't work, but it's really that consistent strategy. So you had mentioned a couple of figures, Hey, 75 bucks a lead here, 200 bucks a lead there, wherever the case may be. What is a considered a lead? Is it somebody who just puts in their name, phone number and address, or is it somebody who actually books an appointment and says, Hey, can you please come and, and tell me how much that you would buy this for? You know, what exactly does a lead qualify as? You know what? That's a good question. So especially on Facebook, there are different ways to generate leads. You probably know you have Facebook lead forms and then you have conversion leads. And what that is for anybody who doesn't know, Facebook lead form is you can advertise on Facebook. The ads will look the same. When somebody clicks that ad, Facebook will auto-populate their information in and they're done. And I usually will not do that because you'll get a lot cheaper lead, but it's a lot lower quality. You're pretty much telemarketing. Yeah. Because they just saw a picture of a hat of an ad, like a house or something. Normally, what I like to consider lead is I'll usually send them. I have a carrot website. It's 412houses.com if anyone wants to check it out. But I send them there. They fill out the form on the first page. They put in their address, phone number, and email. I consider that a partial lead. It takes them to a step two form. 
that has like, how fast do you want to sell? How much works your property need? I confirm it's not listed on a market. Is it occupied vacant? And we're asking like 10 more questions. And what we're trying yeah. to do is disqualify them. So we want to disqualify the people that are looking to sell for top dollar or things like yeah. that. And then have the people come through that are motivated with distressed properties. And then, which would be interesting, you may want to even try this out if you don't do it. After the lead comes in, I'll have my CRM automatically send a text message saying, hey, thanks for filling out a form on our website. Here's a link to our calendar to book a time for us to come give you an offer. And what that does, especially on Google pay-per-click, like you figure there's three ads at the top of pay-per-click. If it's two in the morning, they're usually filling out all three of them. If they book an appointment with us, that kind of stops them from going to the competition because they feel like they've found what they needed there. And so you have multiple steps of that. And anybody who doesn't you know, know marketing or in-depth is every step you add is going to decrease the amount of people who continue naturally. And so for you, a lead is somebody who's gone through essentially almost the whole process. Do they need to book an appointment to be considered a lead? Or if they finish that step two, or they answer the 10 question questionnaire, is that what you consider a lead? And then what happens in each stage if somebody falls off? I take it back. After they complete step one, I'm going to consider them a lead. We're calling them. But we know in our head, if they don't fill out that step two, most likely they're not answering the phone or it's listed on the market, things like that. So it's I consider it a lower quality lead. The sure. people that book the appointment are the highest quality lead. They're the most motivated. So when you got a qualified lead, not qualified lead, the people that book an appointment are, say, a 10 out of 10. The people that fill out step two might be a seven. And the people that only do the first one might be a three out of 10. Yeah. And part of that is systems and processes, right? You know, what's your follow-up system? Because you will convert some of those three out of 10 and some of those seven out of 10s, but maybe just not right away. So what do you recommend investors do? Let's say they're doing marketing, maybe it's on their own and maybe it's with the company and they get somebody, hey, here's their John, one, two, three Main Street, wants to sell his home, but that's all I know about him. I haven't really done anything else. And I call him, he didn't pick up. What is too much follow-up? What is too little of a system to have after the lead comes in. You, What are you seeing being successful as that, that process after the lead comes in? Yeah. So what I see is we use a CRM, it's called go high level. And what it is, you send the traffic in there and it puts everyone in different columns. So you'll have a lead in column on the left. That means that's a brand new lead. And then you might have a column that said booked appointment. You have a column that says called, wasn't able to be reached. So yeah. what I like to do is I send them the initial text and email immediately and then we try calling. If we don't get them, we're going to move them into the called not able to be reached column. And we're going to drip them at least 90 days. So we're probably going to send them a text and an email for a week straight. Like, hey, just seeing if you were still interested. Yeah. And then after a week, we'll start spacing it out. But you can follow up with these people. I was just in a conference. Someone got a deal from a lead 12 years ago just because they're follow-up. Oh. <laughs> so it's like, you can kind of leave them on there. It doesn't really cost you anything. You don't want to harass them. Yeah. And we hear that too, you know, when we've worked in agency settings in the past and even in real estate, that was my very first digital marketing job was for realtors because I was a realtor and I was the one in the office who I guess was the youngest. So they would ask me to do their social media and their ads. And I've gotten those as well. Hey, this guy who came in a year ago, two years ago, never spoken to the person or even sometimes the opposite. Yeah. I called them that time and they told me to screw off. And now 12, 18 months later, they're acting like we're best friends because we just dripped them all the time. And they just felt like they got to know us and we built that rapport. Unbeknownst to them, they were just sending out their regular emails that they sent out to the whole database. But that lead was getting it constantly. And over the next 12 months, they built that trust and they finally decided, okay, this is the person I'm going to reach out to when I'm ready. So that's awesome. I mean, a lot of great value there. I mean, you have to follow up with leads. A lot of people who do want it to just come and book their own appointment and then get them to invite them into their home right away. 
you know, yeah, that's great. And layups are fantastic, but to really win a lot of games, you got to be able to do more than just have layups, right? You got to have that system on the back end so you can score points from all over the court. For people who aren't familiar, Facebook earlier this year had some pretty major updates, right? In terms of tracking and data and how they're able to use data. Now, have you seen that impact lead generation on your side and what kind of impacts did that make on the business? How familiar are you with the Facebook and the real estate space? I am pretty familiar with it. I would say the average listener might not be though. Okay. So on Facebook, we used to be able to target people based on their age, interest. We used to be able to target down to a zip code. Now with all the updates they have here, if you're in the real estate space, it is so important to have good messaging in your ad because you have to show broad. You can no longer target males or females by themselves. You have to target everybody and you have to target everybody age 18 to 65, like all age groups. So the things we've had to do is we have to be spot on with our creative, like the actual image or videos, just because we have to show it to everybody. And then the algorithm is what's going to pretty much help us get leads. So once we send enough people through the website, the right people and convert the right people, the algorithm then goes and finds more people. But what I mean with direct on ad is it's like in your ad, you have to say, sell your house fast or we buy houses, we pay cash, things like that. Versus a lot of guys want to say, click here and to find out how much your home's worth, or here's a home valuation that doesn't work anymore. Got it. So does it not work anymore because Facebook doesn't allow it or because the market's just kind of become desensitized to that verbiage? And as marketing has these cycles and people have to change their messaging because of it, which is it? Well, you know what it is. It's um, if you have people coming through, want to know how much their house is worth, it's just garbage lead. Like their intent's not there. Right. So you might get a whole bunch of leads for 10 bucks versus a hundred, but then you're calling these people like, oh, I just want to know how much my house was worth or this or that. Versus if you have an ad that's extreme, it's blunt, like sell your house fast. And we put up pictures of like boarded up houses, like beat up houses. You send them to a website that says, hey, we're cash home buyers. We're not paying top dollar, but we pay cash. It could be convenient. And then if they turn into a lead, that person knows what you do. So you kind of pre-qualify them because you can get a lot of leads on Facebook cheap. It's just, can you do anything with them? A lot of people say, yeah, I did Facebook and it just didn't work. I got a whole bunch of garbage, you know? Yeah. It didn't work in the past because their message just wasn't clear enough. And I mean, they're getting the volume, which in a sense, you almost don't want, right? Because you're following up and you're spending time with them and you have these systems built out for them. And it is a time sucker for you. So it's even worth it to pay a higher cost per lead in a lot of circumstances to get somebody more qualified or really have that messaging right. So that's fantastic. I mean, what are you seeing as, I guess, the biggest mistake? And you answered a little bit there, but when people are either doing marketing on their own, or maybe they hire an agency that doesn't specifically specialize or niche down in this, which I think is kind of going away. I think people are starting to niche down a lot more, but people who do ads on their own, or maybe have an agency that don't niche down, what do you see as the biggest mistake that they make? And maybe the reason why they're not getting the results they want. Yeah. So I'll give you a few of them. I see a lot of people running Facebook ads and they don't have the Facebook pixel on their website. And what that is, is go into Facebook. It's really easy in your ad manager, grab a pixel. It's a piece of code, put it on your site. Then I see a lot of people in a space they don't put this event code on the thank you page. They just have the pixel on their whole website. And that's what differentiates if it's a lead or not. So I see those two things. Other things I see people doing, trying to get into space, they're boosting posts. They are doing link click campaigns. They're doing link Facebook like campaigns. They're doing video views. Like sure. with Facebook, we'll give you exactly what you want. So if you say, I want link clicks, they'll give you a whole bunch of people that will click, but they do nothing else. Or if they want video views, they'll watch your videos and do nothing else. So I would think of the process and think, okay, what do I want? And then try to build that 
like for an example would be like doing a conversion campaign and then retargeting with a video view campaign or something like that to get in front of the people again. Sure. I guess explain to us the difference between those. So doesn't it make sense that if I get a lot of clicks to my website that I'm going to get a lot of leads that these people are interested? Can you explain the logic there? Yeah, sure. So we've found through testing and everything, we'll get a lot of people that will click links, but that's all they do. Like Facebook's algorithm knows there's these people out there just based on their behavior. This is all they'll do. They'll click links where these people love watching videos. We can show them a video and they're going to keep watching, 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 or they can tell like a conversion ad. For example, if you're in a real estate space, if you go onto my website here in Pittsburgh, most likely in the next hour or two, your feed's going to be full of like five different investors' websites. So if you're going for conversion, they're going for people that are looking for what you have, trying to get that conversion for you. Got it. And so it becomes kind of competitive. So right when somebody, let's say, interacts with one ad, let's say it just so happens to be yours and they don't choose to opt in. Now, all of a sudden that becomes more of a competitive space because now Facebook knows this person is interested in real estate in some capacity and may not know exactly what yet, but it's going to figure it out. Right? It's a billion dollar machine because it figures it out pretty well. And then once they hones it in, they're going to not just show your ad, but the other investors ad and a couple of people from another side of town. So that's really, really important too, to keep out. And like you said, have those retargeting campaigns because you don't want to, I guess, introduce somebody to that market for somebody else who has a more aggressive campaign than you to come by and get that lead because you just got one click, but you don't have the budget or the marketing to continue at that. You had mentioned a couple of things like video campaigns and then pictures of boarded up houses. For the creative side of it, what do you see work best? Is it okay to just put up like a generic picture of, like you said, a boarded house? Or do people really need these high production videos that they need green screens and studios and nice cameras for? You know, what's the, I guess, production value needed to make good ads? No, so here's what I see anyone can do it, especially with videos. Like these cell phones are better than most cameras on the market. So, okay, let's talk about the images first. Normally what I'll do on a cold campaign is we won't do videos to a cold audience. We'll do something that's really direct, has the text, we buy houses, we close fast, things like that. Uh, You can go onto Upwork, probably get someone to make you ads for like 30, 40 bucks. Like I wouldn't just put a picture of a house up, but it's not expensive. Anybody can do this. You can even go on Fiverr, just find someone that does good work, you know? Right. And then on the retargeting side, because they're getting hammered with everyone else's ad now, you can make your own video. Basically, you pull out your phone because people in this space, they're looking for someone local that's not going to come pound them. It's not a bank that can actually follow through. So you just pull out your phone, record it in front of a house or wherever you want. Just say, hey, my name is Brian in Pittsburgh. I buy houses. I can pay cash. Hit me up if you're interested and click the link. So a lot of people are in their head thinking, oh, I got to do something that's really elaborate and they never get to actually doing it. Yeah. It's like, just stick something up and you're going to find out if people like it or not. And then if they don't make another one. And then that's, I guess, your job as well. And people, they don't have to hire you, but the point is you have to do these things, whether it's your time that they're buying or their own time is to test those things out. Like the video may blow it out of the water for somebody in East Pittsburgh, but on the West side, maybe it just doesn't work. Then maybe you got to go back to the image or, you know, people now are doing like boomerangs and they're pointing at, you know, a house or they're doing flip videos, whatever the case may be. So it's all about that testing and really figuring out what's going to work for my location. What does my market like and want and what grabs their attention the most? Does geographics play a huge part in it? Have you noticed that? Or is it generally you kind of got the formula down? You generally know what these people are looking for, no matter where they are. Normally, like a motivated seller is a motivated seller, but like places like Salt Lake City, it's like, I don't know, they just don't sell their houses there or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's uber competitive. San Diego is like really competitive, that, but that's a different type of person out there. I mean, the average home's over a million bucks versus in Pittsburgh, it's like 
200 to 250. Right. So there are differences there because someone has a million, million and a half home, the likelihood of them coming into financial issues is a little bit lower than the normal people. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, Brian, I mean, I really enjoyed the value here. How can people get in touch with you? They want to learn more. Yeah. Just go to the website, motivated-leads.com. And if you want to chat, fill out a form or just call the number. Absolutely, guys. So motivated-leads.com. We will also put that link in the show notes. And while you're there, if you haven't already, download our free ebook, The Definitive Guide to Building Generational Wealth and Passive Cash Flow Through Multifamily Real Estate. And if you haven't already, give us a rating and review on the platform that you're listening on. Brian, thank you so much for coming on. This was an awesome show. We really enjoyed having you. And listeners, thanks so much for giving us your time. 